Hi, I'm Jacob Wolf, CEO and founder of Overcome. Welcome to Visionaries, our new podcast where twice a week we bring on some of the most high profile and successful people from the gaming industry to talk about their careers and how our industry is evolving. Today, we're welcoming on Stephen Ellis, known as Snoope, a former professional League of Legends player who has transitioned into working in the content creation space behind the scenes, including time at Facebook and more now recently Pipeline. We also welcome on Stone Mountain 64, the high profile creator who, unlike many of his peers, has found success on Facebook rather than Twitch or elsewhere. In 2019, the two of them together co-founded Pipeline, an education platform helping people get their start at becoming content creators. Three years later, they've learned a lot about how gaming is changing and how their business has had to adapt. So without further ado, welcome Stephen and Stone to Visionaries. How did you guys meet each other and then like come up with the idea to start pipeline um and what you have today thanks for having us on first of all man really appreciate it uh yeah i to your point i've been creating content i started back in 2011 so i've been doing it for a little over 10 years i started initially on youtube i actually was uh streaming on twitch and partnered there for two years before i ended up canceling that i was then streaming over on uh youtube and twitch and facebook and mixer all at the same time of course mixer not around i really never got too much traction off that in the first place but i ended up just having like a patreon where i was separately uh managing supports there rather than taking the rev split yada 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 long story short ultimately i was finding a lot of traction on facebook so i was like you know what let's give this thing a go and uh i was actually i had met steven Around that time, I had been uploading videos to Facebook and I had seen like how viral they went similar to like on Instagram or now what you see like on TikTok where people will even tag friends and be like, hey, you know, come check this video out. This is hilarious. Look at this guy yelling or whatever, where I had never experienced that on YouTube. And I was like, holy crap, dude, like this stuff can go insanely viral. So uh, then Steven actually came and when was working at Facebook at the time came to talk to a whole bunch of creators about uh, streaming on Facebook, which they were trying to launch. And I was like, bro, how do I, how do I get in on this? How do I try this out? Ended up doing really good, started doing some short streams. And so that was ultimately how we met. And then a couple months after I'd been streaming on the platform for a while, I got partnered with Facebook and uh, have continued on since, uh, since then, basically. I don't know, Stephen, if you got anything to add to that journey there. I've got a little more context about when we met, um, but just a little bit back background on myself for those who are not familiar. As, as Jacob said, um, I was a professional League of Legends player, uh, spent five years of my early 20s um, devoted to being the best League of Legends. Uh, we did pretty well. It was absolutely incredible um, traveling, competing around the world in the early days of Riot Esports. Streamed a bunch on Twitch um, throughout those years as well. That's where I met Jacob. Um, he was covering a lot of our games and matches and all the things that teams were doing and not doing um, was a big part of that. And fast forward, um, I was ready, you know, I was ready for the next chapter. I spent five years competing, but I was ready for the next chapter. And that's when um, I got the opportunity to work at Facebook. And for me, it was a chance to go behind the scenes rather than being in front of the scenes, like being a face uh, and, and rather shape the business business from the, the back end. And 
uh, when I was at Facebook, we started building out a gaming video. And frankly, I was speaking in a room in front of 300 creators, um, telling them like, hey, we're building this thing, Facebook gaming, and um, it's going to be really cool. You can't go live on anything other than 480p. There's no way to monetize yet, but like, hey, come check this out. And like most of the people in that room did not care. Like, like out of 300 people. And I was like, it's going to be cool. Like, I promise we're working on a lot of stuff for a lot of money. One person in that room, uh, well, there's a couple, but like Stone was definitely the most eager. Um, and he was the most excited to see what we're building and the potential of, of the platform. This is way back in 2016. We're and talking to be fair, I think a lot uh, of the other creators' perspectives were sound in terms of like, hey, I, I'm uploading this video to YouTube and making a lot of money off it because it was all like career YouTubers and streamers and everything that was there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to upload to this other platform where I can't get any ad split. I can't get any monetization. Like, why would I do any? It's like, I, I get the perspective. Uh, and it's totally legit, right? Like we had no way to make money. The quality wasn't great back then, but he, he still had a lot of videos going viral, as he said, and saw the potential of what could happen if you know, there started being more investments on it. And that's where our relationship started back in 2016. And a lot of the products and pla like the platform today, we co-developed um, and co-partnered on it, rolling out monetization around the world, rolling out, um, you know, content moderation, uh, different programs. A lot of that was, you know, two and a half years being in the trenches, giving us feedback and um, our relationship of working together started way back in 2016. So I want to ask a little bit about, because both of you involved, you know, Stone actively now still a creator on Facebook and Steven, a former Facebook, Facebook employee. One thing that I remember reading about when Mixer shut down and, you know, all the creators moved off the platform, obviously what was highly publicized was that Ninja and Shroud were done, right? Like that the platform was letting go of its big guys. But I remember reading a lot of, at the time about creators who were kind of in that middle section, right? They, because they had, you know, either left Twitch or maybe they started from nothing on, on Mixer, right? That they had built this audience that actually was like fairly reliable for them. And so the people who were kind of hurt were these people that were these middle income uh, type streamers, not the top 1% of the platform. I think that when I see Facebook streaming, especially as it comes to games today, a lot of the people that I find successful are, are not are those types of people now, even even on that platform. And I think that we see even broadly as well, like TikTok is diving into the live creation space. And I don't think they've figured out gaming quite yet because of the aspect ratio and a few other things. It makes it a weird experience. Um, but I want to ask you guys about the opportunity you see in streaming past the headlines on other platforms other than Twitch, past the headlines of, you know, they're writing a big giant check to YouTube's writing a giant check to this creator or whatever it may be. The opportunity you see for those people that may be on the come up and can find a unique audience on these other platforms. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. And even to your point, like from some of those guys on Mixer, a lot of them, I think the majority of them went back to Twitch after Mixer closed, but there was also some that did make the transition over to Facebook as well. I mean, top of my mind, one of the guys that I met was Spartacus. He was actually a guy that I had played with back on the day with Jared FPS over on uh, uh, Mixer back in the day. And um, they showed me like some Easter eggs and we ended up playing together and he ended up making the move over to Facebook. And now he averages like 1,500, 2,000 concurrence over on there. He's absolutely exploded from starting at nothing, switching over to Facebook. And that's what I've seen too from like Audio Freak, Fab, 
Uh, I mean, there's Jadevise is blown up on, he, he used a lot of TikTok as well, but there's been a lot of creators that have really become much bigger just by only ever even streaming on Facebook. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of things happening like that on YouTube as well. I mean, we had a ton of people obviously blow up from streaming on YouTube over all of these years to a certain degree. Like they came out with YouTube gaming, then it went away. But like typical gamer obviously blew up to extraordinary levels. There's been a lot of guys that have just natively only, obviously a lot of that's through video format as well on on YouTube too. But I uh, I do think there's a lot of, interesting things to your point to even TikTok, like there's still a lot of people that are monetizing very well in terms of just receiving the gifts, even if the ad revenue and the other things aren't there. Uh, but a lot of that is supplemented by the platforms too, in terms of the discovery that they're giving out whenever they're testing things. We've seen this on all of these algorithmic based platforms where whenever there's something new or whatever, they push that more heavily, gives people exposure, or it's through, you know, Facebook has these programs with a hundred percent creator split uh, for uh, for creators on supporters or bonuses for stars and things like that. But yeah, I guess in terms of like the, I just, I see a lot more people finding success through the algorithm and through discovery on a lot of these platforms and building audiences through that in terms of the, the tail end of the creators, the newer creators that are coming on typically more so than going and trying to fight the, um, you know, mainstream Twitch category, trying to build viewers through that. Yeah, I would I would echo that. I mean, Jacob, you've been around since the beginning of these live platforms, right? Like, I think it was, I don't know if you were on Own3D, but I used to stream on Own3D before, and that was the predecessor to Twitch, um, and a lot of the Europeans moved over to Twitch. I mean, the live model historically isn't been that great, right? It's very much like app, app store discovery. You, you get the top 10, and like, that's it, right? And you got to keep scrolling down to find anyone else, and no one's going to do that. Um, I think the... The big innovation that's happened in content already came from YouTube. YouTube has been working on this for a long, long time with VOD, is starting to drive more algorithm discovery, as Stone was saying. And that opportunity is way bigger now than it ever has been. Um, before, like you had to, like, I got popular because I was really good at League of Legends, right? And like League of Legends was pumping a ton of money behind marketing, like esports, and like I was, you know, competing on stages. I had it much easier on Twitch back in the day than a creator who's just starting out on Twitch. And if that's the only way they're trying to get discovered is on Twitch, your chances are really low because you're just at the bottom of a you know deep, deep pool of about 8 million people every single month. And that's where I think platforms like TikTok, platforms like Shorts, using VOD on YouTube, VOD on Facebook, using Reels or here on Twitter, like using different other uh, discovery like elements to then funnel back to your live is way more viable and is an opportunity that we never really had back in the day. Um, it was, no one was really thinking that way of like, hey, I should funnel my audience from one place to the other. Maybe folks that were doing blogs or something, like they were thinking that way, right? Like SEO and blogs. But in terms of the content game and the live content game, no one was thinking about how do I funnel my audience from here to here. Uh, and that's the thing that's really changed. And there's just more places to do that now, more platforms to do that now there ever has been one thing that i find interesting and stone i want your perspective on this because uh you are a successful creator to this day and i think one thing that shifted from the era when i used to watch steven's streams uh back in the evil geniuses house in 2015 it, you know there were people that were the top one percent of twitch back then 
uh, were just very skilled players. It, it wasn't a ton of entertainment, I, like entertainment value. It was just like I was a nerd who loved League and therefore watched the best players in the world play this game. And there were even some people who straight up like no cam, no microphone, just watch like listen to some copyright free music and and watch me play league and kick some ass and like it was a yeah. very base level i feel like we've shifted a lot in about seven years where now it's like not only do you have to be pretty good at a game or like you still a little bit judged on your skill but you actually also have to be entertaining in some sort of way and but i think that with the exception of some people like dr disrespect who's truly a full character um the a lot of the people that are personalities and that have that personality and show it out early as entertainers are usually amplified versions of themselves. This is someone, something that you hear like Stephen A. Smith talk about and sort of, you know, hear him talk about first take and how he's loud and rambunctious. Like that's just him, but a little bit on steroids, just amping himself up. How do you find, and how did you find stone the, uh, within yourself, how to be an entertainer, and then kind of did you try to just clock that up, basically? Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel like there's there's so much insight, and even in what you just asked, that we could unpack there. Um, and to be fair, I think there is still a lot of that aspect where you know there's a lot of people that just want to watch whoever the incredible player is. That's one of the reasons, like I like to watch Shroud. I'll just put his stream on, watch him dominate whatever the hell he's playing, listen to what it is like lately, you know, he doesn't read too much of the chat or whatever it is, but he's still talking and bringing it together. But to your point, like there is definitely more of an element of the entertainment because even the players that are at the highest level of what they're doing now have the competition of other people that are doing pretty much just as good, maybe even better in some degrees, maybe not, I don't know, maybe a little bit worse, but they're a lot more entertaining in how they perform it. And then, it, and then it's like, all right, well, I'm going to go watch this other guy who's a little bit more entertaining, throws in some more jokes, has some more humor, has better guests on, plays with different or whatever, and then that's that's the draw or the appeal. So to your question then and how, like, for me, that that developed over all of this time, it 100% was a development. This is what I try and tell people, too, is, like, if you go back and look at my video when I said, hey, thanks for 100 subscribers. This is crazy. I couldn't even ever imagine having 100 subscribers or whatever with my long hair in my dorm room back at school. It was like, you know, I'm a completely different content creator from what I was then. And I think there's a certain aspect where you do change over a decade. I have a kid now, I have a family, like there's a certain aspect of that, but it was also a lot of me developing my own skill to where I was at one point really trying to become a much better player at the actual games I was playing. But from what I found, like that development for me was like looking at the content that I was consuming from other people. Cause I had even been watching content for years before this, I was following X jaws, white boy, seven street, T Martin, Woody's gamer tag and being like, holy dude, I couldn't even imagine like that was one of my old tweets. I couldn't even imagine having 100,000 subscribers. And a lot of that is like looking at some of these other creators, what they're doing and then kind of putting those pieces together. So I've got a lot of examples of this, but even my And We're Live series was the first one that I ever really got some traction on where I went into, went into these random Call of Duty lobbies and I would cast them like I was a professional you know, football player and cast them and try and make it more of a professional take. There's people that were doing it and being a little bit more crude and stuff with their humor, but I was trying to keep it a, a little bit. I was still teabag people, but you know, um, like it was still really like I tried to bring the humor out for it, but it was like getting reactions. And so that developed into like my YOLO series where I'd go and was commanding officer. I saw other series though, like uh, my world's best clip of the week show was something where I saw this old show that was called Cute Win Fail. 
and it was three clips that was like a cute cat and a, you know somebody falling off a chair or whatever and the audience would vote which was the best and so i said well what if i didn't it was growing it was doing really good it was like this trending thing i was like what if i did that for gaming and so i created that series for world's best clip of the week and it's developed over time it's turned into top plays i've done like 600 episodes of that at this point but or you know something something insane it's been you know eight years or whatever it's been but like a lot of that was for me, it was discovering like, how do I find those ways of trying to continue to stand out? Because even, even back then, like it was, it, it's, it's similar to how it is now. Obviously there's more competition now. It's even easier to get into it, but there's also more viewers than ever as well. So it's like, it's, it's very much still feels similar to the ways that I differentiated back then and have continued to do so. It's the only reason that I've kept everything to a stable enough point where I'm still doing this full time, doing better than I ever have, uh, you know, year over year with it. And in, in very different mechanisms over all the years too, to the point, like I was streaming on Twitch for two years and, you know, I got up to like a hundred, uh, subscribers, I think on that. I think this was pre, uh, Twitch prime. And so I was like, you know, I was doing pretty good, but I still was like, I'm losing 50% of my revenue funneling everybody over here. And so it was like, well, it'd be a lot more different if I streamed on all the platforms, if I had a Patreon, figure it out a way. And so like that developed into a whole arc as well. And that became something again, that's like, oh, this guy's doing something different. What the heck is he doing? This is really weird. Uh, and some people hate you for that. Some people are like, you know, no, I'm never going over, you know, I get that a lot. I'm never going over to Facebook. I'm just not going to download the app ever. And that's cool too. You know, I got four YouTube channels that you can watch. I got the Twitter, I got the TikTok, I got other things. And then there's people on each of the platforms. Everybody hates everybody on all the different platforms. So, you know, I, I like it all. I like to go across it. So it's a little bit more uh, understandable to me, but you know, you can also use that to your advantage in some ways. I guess long-winded answer, but. No, no, no. It's, it's a good one though. I want to actually touch on something you had in that answer. And hmm. I want you guys as businessmen that now run an education business that tried to help people become better creators, help them find their footing. I want to ask you about uh, sort of a psychoanalysis question here. Something you said in that answer was that people refuse to leave Twitch. And, and I think that's really interesting. When we, I was talking to Atrioc about this some weeks ago, when Ninja and Shroud left uh, Twitch to go to Mixer, people just found other streamers. At first that was Dr. Disrespect, and then he was banned off the platform, and then it was XQC, and you just saw like the audience ride through to the directory and just move on to someone else. I think that's very rare to just cut off an entertainer that you feel like you're connected to and that you support their content because you don't want to type in a different URL. Like That level of sort of connection to the platform feels very abnormal to me. If you had to psychoanalyze why that is, why do you think Twitch has that vice grip? And do you think it's eroding now a little bit more and more? I think Stone, you've got a great because you you did a lot of this migration, so you witnessed it firsthand. But we thought a lot about this at Facebook. We were in the content acquisition game, similar to Twitch, similar to YouTube, you know, similar to Mixer, and having creators come over the platform. And one of the things this was not it wasn't unique to Twitch. This the same thing was true when if you were signing a YouTuber and bring them over to Mixer or bring them over to Facebook. The same thing was true. Audiences, by and large, do not migrate to another platform. There's people, there continues to be experimentation. The last experimentation we've seen was, there was like a, a click, I don't know how to describe it, but like, you know, like um, there was Toast and like uh, Valk and like that crew, uh, or not Toast, sorry, Valk and- um, who, who was the recent signings over? 
yeah, Courage. And there was a couple more that YouTube just Myth, signed just to. Sakuno, like, Willy Pichu. Sakuno, yeah. Willy Pichu. Willy, yeah, yeah Sakuno and Lee. There's like it's like a click, right? It's like if you can if you draw like a Venn diagram, like maybe their audiences overlap, right? And then that's like a new strategy where people are trying to like capture audience and bring them over. But by and large, you know, we had hundreds of creators um, that we had signed over the years. Audience migration was extremely challenging. And, and actually was a massive lift on the creator themselves to constantly, constantly get, hey, I'm over here now. Hey, I'm over here now. Hey, I'm over here now. It didn't just happen on like, hey, here's the announcement, like come over. It was a constant reminder of trying to bring some of their audience over. And what we actually found is they developed a new audience. Yep. They created a new audience on, um, on Facebook or on um, Mixer or on YouTube. And their content just resonated with this new group of people that they were getting in front of. And that's what became the norm. And I, I think that continues to be true. I, the latest experience by YouTube, like, I don't know how they're going, like how much of that little click of audience like moved over. But that's my belief is that audiences don't really migrate. And what these apps, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Twitch, they are trying to get you hooked every day on their platform. Like that's their, their, they want to serve you content that gets you to spend on average of an hour, an hour and a half a day or more if it's like TikTok on the platform. Like that's what they're encouraged to do. And they're going to do everything to make that possible rather than just the creator itself. So they're going to try and serve up as much content as they can. And I think these apps are stickier than a particular creator. And that's the behavior that is trained. And I think that's, somewhat of a Twitch thing. I think that's somewhat a YouTube thing. I think that'll be the same for TikTok. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's very similar as well. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people get locked into the idea that a lot of people follow people for the specific creator. And while I do think a lot of that is true, there's, I think there's a lot more that just watch for whatever they want to watch at that time. And what I mean by that is like, I've seen this so much even on YouTube from all of these different games that I've played. Like there's a lot of people that watch me back in the day. Like I got millions of views for some of my old Call of Duty content. A lot of people don't even know about any of that. Like they never stuck around. There's no like long-term viewer that sticks around for a lot, especially at a smaller creator standpoint. Like I feel like this is just, but even as you said, you know, in a larger sense of like Ninja or whatever, he has some people that come over to, to Mixer or Shroud has some people come like, and some like thousands of people that's a lot but relative to now he's streaming valorant and he'll get like 30 40 000 concurrence on what he's doing there like just every day and he's not even reading the chat he's just playing the game right i think a lot of that is just the context of the person is more inclined to go to the specific platform of what that is and consume whatever's there and just go on to the next person that's there like they are part of that twitch community more so, like greater than even being there for an individual creator. Now, there are a lot of people that are there for an individual creator and just want to see, you know, what's the latest Saikuno stream or whatever. Like, I just want to follow this one person. But typically, it is a bigger audience. And exactly to Snoop's point is like, or Steven's point is like, if you bring a bunch of people over and you have that entire community of people that they would watch, I think there's a much higher probability of people like continuing on with that group of people for it. And it's the same exact thing that I've seen through my own audiences and even to the sake of like what I mentioned earlier, trying to drive people over to Twitch in the past is like, I'm spending a whole bunch of effort, time and energy into this to also lose half of what I was doing, you know, with a 50% split. And it's like this, and, and it's just not very, it's not very beneficial. I'm not seeing a lot of people come over from it. 
there is a big benefit in that though, in that if you do bring some people over and you can, you know, kickstart it, get some people watching, that's how you get to the top of a category, especially if it's a miscellaneous one or whatever. We see this, even people will embed streams on websites and get tons of viewership. And it's like, how do these people have so many viewers on it? Like that's the entire meta on Twitch because there's no, um, you know, algorithm to, uh, you know, there's a recommended or whatever, but how effective is it versus some other ones? Uh, that that's much more powerful thing, but it's like, okay, well, what if you did that elsewhere? And to the point when I started on Facebook is like, when I was posting this content, these are, it's not people on YouTube sending links over to their friend and being like text messaging them or whatever. It is directly on the platform. People are tagging each other. And like, I'm seeing like, you know, a, maybe a million view on Facebook. Like I got like a five or 10 million view or excuse me on YouTube. I, I saw like a five, 10 million view video on Facebook. And I'm like, holy crap. Like if there, if this, like this can get shared, this is outside of like an algorithm or whatever. Like this is this guy sending it to four other people that they're just connected with. And it's like, that's way more powerful to where it was like this. It was a completely new audience that I developed on YouTube. And that's a big, that's what's become more of the struggle really is like, how do I manage a YouTube audience and a Facebook audience and a TikTok audience likes different things. And Instagram likes different things. Like everybody likes it. Twitter likes different things. I think there is more like crossover, especially with like how Twitch was built. There's a lot more people that are on TikTok that are, or excuse me, there's a lot more people that are on Twitch that are also on Twitter. I feel like there's a big crossover in terms of that where people have just gotten to that rhythm because Twitch, you can really only do your stream. You can't continue the conversation. I feel like a lot of that was just lost opportunity by Twitch where people continue the conversation on Twitter, but then there's like good synergy there. And we see that between certain platforms for things, but yeah, that's why I, I do think there is a divide and that's, I guess. I, I think one, one thing I want to add is just to ground it in the numbers. Cause I, so I was the one that convinced stone eventually, um, to come over, uh, from YouTube. I think you were, I can't remember. You were like maybe at a million subscribers on YouTube. This is back in 20, maybe a bit more than that at that point. And I think you did like a couple of hundred thousand or something on Facebook and had a couple of videos go viral. And when you moved over, like you were trying out Twitch at the time, you said you got a couple of hundred CCV, even though you had like almost a million subs on YouTube, getting like a hundred CCV on Twitch came over to Facebook. And then I think within a couple of years, you went from a couple hundred thousand followers to like 2 million plus followers and your CCV was 10 X what you got oh, on yeah. Twitch. And, and that, that wasn't it. YouTube. That was, that was right. a new audience. On yeah. Facebook. It surpassed it. And that's what I actually noticed that more people found me, my YouTube through Facebook. Like they would find my Facebook and then they would go subscribe on YouTube versus the other direction of YouTube over to Facebook. Although there was some, like that's what helped to get like some traction or known or whatever it was. But yeah, there was a lot of that. It was also, I was multi-streaming out to all of them, which was a lot to manage in general. But like, you know, I'd pull a, a thousand concurrent on YouTube, a thousand on, uh, YouTube, uh, on, on Facebook, but it was still like, you know, 50, a hundred maybe on Twitch or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, it was very much a different, different audience off of it. So let's ask the million dollar question here uh, that you guys have spent the past several years of your life trying to figure out how do you become a popular creator in 2022? Mm. That's a deep question. There's a lot that uh, kind of <laughs> goes into it to where, you know, uh, I don't know if I could give you in a nutshell everything that, that kind of goes into it. But I think just at the highest level, if you wanted to what I typically boil it down to is like, it is your content itself, which has a whole bunch of branches within it, and the consistency that you do it at. 
I think there is also a certain level of like, you do need to have like a certain level of, of time or money or way to invest into this. Like you have to have a certain enough upload speed to even get a video up or do whatever at a consistent basis. But really those are the two big things is like the content and your consistency of doing that doesn't necessarily. And, and the thing is like you, especially with all the people that you see blowing up now, like I've seen so many people just in these last couple of years, obviously over the last decade, tons of people blow up off of a whole bunch of different things. People have started way later than me that have gotten way bigger than me in terms of content. But so that's where the, there's a range in, in those different categories, but it is like very much differentiating content. And then that consistency is like, you've, you, you've got to continue to upload whatever it is, whether that's a weekly, super high quality thing or three times a day about whatever super trendy thing that you are the absolute like fastest to respond on whatever and be the head of the content for um people subscribe or follow or build momentum off of things because it's more it's the next thing you're doing right and i think a lot of people get caught and that's where i got caught as well as like oh i did this crazy thing like i got all of these views how come all my numbers are now plummeting to the ground and i feel terrible about this and like oh then i have another up and then it's all plummeting back down and it's like there's cycles to it as well, but like that's what uh, I, I mean. As boiled down as I could possibly get it, that's where that's where I see people continuing to come out of nowhere. It's like it, it is the content and them continuing to do what they are doing. Yeah, the one one thing I'd add, and we spent a lot of time thinking about this and and and, and talking about this, and I think we've interviewed I don't know over like a couple of hundred creators now, and we've got thousands in our in our community that are or on this journey, the idea that you could become, like you could, you hear this, you hear us talking right now and you're like, okay, I'm going to go start the YouTube channel and I'm going to be, I'm going to blow up in 2022. That is just so unrealistic. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just very unrealistic and it will take a long time. And like, you need to be willing to, as Stone said, like be consistent and stick to this for time. Um, you can, learn things like, like like certain things about like how to edit video and how to like do like click through um, think about click through and thumbnails and storytelling. And there's certain hard skills that you can learn, but thinking, Oh, I can do this for a month. And like, I should expect to blow up. Like that is just silly. Um, or even like a couple of months and like, Oh, I should, I should blow up. It's really that this is a journey that you're going to go on. And most people that have been on this journey have been doing it for a couple of years or even longer, like still, I mean, you're, you're about to have grandkids now, right? I'm just kidding. He's been in the game for the last decade. Right. And that's, and it just goes to show that like, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, there's very few people you've, we've seen a bunch of folks on TikTok that have blown up, but even then like blowing up on TikTok's one thing, like turning that into a sustainable growing business is another, right? Like where a lot of TikTok creators are facing that challenge of, kind of building sustainable channels. So um, I think that's just like change your point of view on like, hey, I'm I'm going to run at this and I'm going to, I'm really passionate about it. I'm going to do this for a couple of years. Because if you're just like oh, a couple a couple of months, it's going to be really hard to make it happen in a couple of months or to get enough traction that you're going to be like, oh, I can double down on this. And there are, I mean, like there there's opportunities that can come up from that, right? And, and there's also people who have been building an expertise in something like, woodworking or whatever it is and then they can finally have that opportunity to show that like that's that's where like especially when you're 
like we have talked to so many creators and we've seen so much of this over so many different niches, niches that you don't even think would have existed. And then it's like, oh, of course that exists. You know, of course there's a, you know, like I found this uh, lawyer who's a woodworker and like his channel exploded because he managed to bring that into the Amber Heard trial and like talk about his perspective there and grew a whole audience off of that and get hundreds of thousands of subscribers, right? Like that's where looking for the opportunity over, over a long time can help. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a very, it's a tricky thing because it is, there is so much competition out there and it seems like everything is taken, but then if you can find those right thing, and that's what like, I, but I even felt like there was, everything was taken when I was starting out. Like I was already watching all the content that I wanted to see, you know, they wanted to close the, uh, copyright or whatever it was back in like the seventies or eighties or whatever it was They're like, Oh, everything's been invented. There's no need for this anymore, but people keep on coming up with new innovative things. But that's where, that's where like the differentiation is. It's like, how do you come up with that different thing to where, you know, it, it, and that's where it is. Like if you can build an audience of, and this is what I, my dad even told me when I was first starting out is like, if you can have like a thousand people that are really dedicated, like believe in you, believe in your content, whatever it is, like, let's say that's even a dollar a month that they're willing to commit to you or watch enough content on or whatever, then that could be something that could sustain you. It could let you take it to another level, continue to invest, take it to maybe you could try and get to 5,000. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's a lot more reasonable than thinking about like, hey, how do I get 5 million subscribers, um, you know, in 2022 and make this like a, you know, become a giant super national, you know, international superstar on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to flip that on you a little bit, Jacob, because I think your your industry, um, whether it's reporting, um, is probably going through a similar shift in the sense of like, can you grow your own own audience that you own rather than going through these middle like gatekeepers, right? Sure. I think in the past it used to be mm -hmm. these middlemen you would go through. Now you're able to go direct to audience, and I think that's true whether it's Twitch, YouTube, or not. Like, you had five bucks a month from enough people, that's enough to make a living. It's not about getting all this clout or like having millions of followers. And I think you've got a very good firsthand experience of this where you're kind of going through that same process right now, building your own company. Like what's, what's it for you? I would say, and this actually kind of teased me in what I wanted to follow up and talk to you guys about and some of what you're doing with pipeline. But I would say that I think the biggest hurdle is monetizing this young audience. I, I always say like the, you know, a lot of the people that consume gaming content right now um, and, and sort of other industries, gaming adjacent, you know, to creator industry, whatever it may be. A lot of those people are still really young, right? Like the, the ability to spend on other things in their lives is not there because they probably don't even have income in some cases because they're in the 14 to like 22 23 right like high school to college and so income is is not particularly easy to come by for a lot of the people that i think consume the content and i think also not to kind of punch down at my own generation as a zoomer um but i also think my entire generation is very used to getting everything for free um and i think that that is a really hard hurdle to clear we have been very spoiled by what the internet has given us our entire livelihoods um and so it's tough i i think that the journalism industry like any other industry is very top heavy um in the sense that the one percent do really really well and then there's really not a lot of people in the middle it's just a lot of people kind of struggling to make it by and make a living wage wherever they may be um, and it's, and it's, there's not an easy path 
there, right? I was very benefited that I worked at a massive company for five years that let me grow in that company enough to, to feel like I could take a leap uh, and go independent eventually and do this. But I, you know, as someone who writes a Substack newsletter that's got several thousand free subscribers, like it is, it is tough to kind of build up that paid audience as well. Um, and uh, now running a production company, all that's a lot of that work is white label. That's what pays the bills. Other companies, you know, cutting us checks to do that kind of stuff. So, um, I want to turn. I want to talk about that in the context of pipeline because what you guys are doing, I think, is a really important and interesting concept. And I've been following it since you all launched it uh, three years ago. How has it changed? And I guess for the people maybe listening to this on platforms that aren't familiar with either of you or the company, can you first describe sort of high level what it is and then talk about how it's developed over the past three years? Yeah, I think think of Pipeline as an online school and community for content creators. Like that's the, in a nutshell, think of it like that. Um, the reason it came to be is, you know, I was working closely with Stone back in 2016 and he was creating shit ton of content all the time. And I was at Facebook and we would constantly, both of us get asked questions of, Hey, um, can you help me figure out this? Can you help me figure out that? Um, this is the first time I've encountered this. Can you help me think through it or whatever? And like the amount of times that that would happen in a single week was ridiculous. Like to the point where we could not even. Uh, got any tips for streaming or any advice uh, as a creator, as you know, every creator seems to get when, when they're live as well. It's like, you know, how'd you do it? Who are you? Yeah. And I was, I was um, managing, you know, roughly about 50 creators um, when I was at Facebook in my initial role and same questions all the time about how do I navigate this? Like, what do you think about that? And when you go to the point where people are not even getting a rep, they're not even getting a manager or an agent, it gets way worse, like way worse. Like the people that will show up in David's videos or David's stream and going, Hey, or Stone, sorry, uh, it show up in his stream and go, Hey, can you help me figure this out? Like that person is getting so little support from anyone in this industry. And we launched what's so the Twitch affiliate, everyone will know what Twitch affiliate is. Less people will know what Facebook level up is. It's basically the exact same thing. It's a, it's a, it's a version of their kind of entry program. I worked on that and launched that at Facebook. And frankly, it was really hard for us to help people that were much earlier in their journey. And the industry does not have a great incentive to help any of them because there's no financial motive, right? Those people are not necessarily draw, um, generating as much watch hours. So like, you know, content that's being consumed on the platform. So the platform is not that incentivized to help. And then the industry, the agents and the managers are not that incentivized to help those people either. Because if I represent 10 people with a small audience, I'm not making enough money to, to fit on the table. So they're just not going to get help. And that was the kind of early formation of why we started Pipeline was there has to be a way where we can build something that's bigger than me, bigger than David, that would help these people that are not getting any support from the industry today. Especially at the, and could at the we, beginning of their journey too, right? Where it's like, um, you know, when I first started out, I, after a long time, a lot of YouTube videos and just like trying to figure out what the hell is even going on. I got into like machinima, which turned into, you know, a nightmare down the road. But like, I managed to meet a couple other people hmm. around my size. And like, it, there was some benefits, even though I lost a lot of money off or whatever, like, it, it, uh, there was some benefits there and it was like, okay, well, what, what do I, what would have been great when I had initially started out? And so that's where it's like, you know, being able to learn things and have a community where you can meet other people, do a competition with them, 
you know, chat on a, a weekly basis and mentorship sessions, talking with experienced people that have been doing this for a couple of years. Like how cool would have that been if Machinima even had set that up for us where I could have talked with like syndicate and he could have told us a little bit about what he was doing or like given us any information. And there's definitely things that are out there that are, you know, great, like YouTube channels or podcasts or things like that. That's one of the reasons we created the becoming a creator podcast as well as just like tighten that down into just a, a quick nutshell talking with these creators of, um, you know, how they got to some of that and provide some of this information. But uh, that was very much the genesis of it and what the what the entire, you know, uh, premise is, I guess. Yeah, I think today, like, if you go, like, I want to learn to become a creator, where do you go? Like, where do you go, Jacob? Yeah, there's there's not an easy resource. I, I experienced this a lot at the beginning of my journalism career. Like, if you don't go to journalism school, and my family didn't have means, so I didn't. Um, like, if you don't go to journalism school, then you just start writing and just hope for the best. And it's like you learn, you fail so hard publicly. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people. I, I had that experience. I Like, I got very uh very very popular as a writer in a very short amount of time uh from never published to 16 months later being an espn employee that was really quick and i failed out in the open a lot um and i think it's tough because i think it's the there's a parallel there for creators too you just have to fail in the open and hope people like hope people forgive you and uh if it's bad or hope people forget or like understand and empathize that with you didn't know what the hell you were doing when you started and now like now you're a you know better person or whatever it may be. Um, obviously, there's a line there from a moral and ethical perspective, but uh, yeah, I I think it's tough. The creator, there's not an easy answer to that. So I, I understand the product market fit. I think most people do. Yeah, it's one of the things you touched on earlier is that you got to get over. Like most people get in their own way. That's the, the biggest issue. Is most people overthink it. They try and perfect something. Like they won't put out a video because it's got to be like X Y Z and you just got to get out of your own way and you got to get that engine going and get that engine going. I think Mr. Beast had a great quote about it once where he, he shared, um, if you're looking to get started in YouTube, go make a hundred videos, come back to me when you made a hundred videos. And that was his like perspective on it was like from the act of creating those hundred videos, you will learn a lot of valuable lessons that will inform what you should do next. And it's just, a great way to, I mean, it's, it's very simplified, right? There's no, there's a lot of context and things that he could add to that. But when he's talking to a hundred million or a billion people, like that's what he's, he's just trying to get across that. You got to go through the process. You got to, you got to learn, you got to learn and get uncomfortable and be willing to do that and put yourself out there. And that's a scary thing for 90% of people. Back to that point I was making earlier about this is a really difficult audience to monetize. Maybe they don't have the means or maybe they just like it's not a part of their consumer behavior. You know, obviously, Pipeline's a business. You guys have to like run a P&L and make back for your investors. Um, how have you found, has it been difficult to convince that and, and ingrain that consumer behavior to these creators? Or is there such a sizable amount of them that are just so desperate to learn something that having the guidance in your network is really useful because I think that's interesting um, being able to get people onto a platform and monetize them in that way. Yeah, I think for us, just from a business, we've learned a lot in the last three years. And I think one of the, um, the things that we've found is there's nothing existed like us before in one place. And because nothing has existed, you have to do a level of education around that um, beforehand. It's not just like knowing that, hey, you go here and that you get in. Um, so that's, that's one area where we invest a lot in is just 
hey, there's a resource here. It's part of why we're here today, right? It's like, hey, you know, we're working on some stuff to help content creators. There's a resource there if you want it, um, check it out. It's why we started our podcast as well. Like we're trying to put out free content to say, hey, if you want more of this, and and that's just natural, right? There is a, there's an element of you needing to get the word out and let people know. Um, the one thing, I, like the one big lesson that we've learned is there's a big difference, and this is true on Twitch, of people that are motivated and are willing to put in the work. And there's the people that want to try something out and their, their intent is not super high. Like they're like, and I've noticed this where people will spend thousands of dollars on hardware. Look at the microphone, look at the camera before they've even went live and tried out. like, is this something that I want to do? And then there's the person that's like, no, I want to become a student of the process and I want to learn how to do this. And those people typically, they'll be like, there's one guy, I got to call him out. He's, he's not, he, I don't see him in the, the spaces, but I got to call him out. Stone, Chadwick. Um, how awesome has it been to see his journey over the last few years of showing up to like one of our first sessions and like literally he'd come with a suit, Jacob. Like he'd show up with a suit on and like his mindset around learning and like wanting to learn is he was like, I'm going to learn. I'm going to squeeze as much out of this as I possibly can. He is crushing it. He is, I mean, I don't know, like he's got like 400 CCV yeah. now or whatever, he, like live years. He would like join and keep and asking questions too of like, that. that's what's always really exciting because I, I host a mentorship session so people come back and keep coming back and asking questions along their process. I, we've seen uh, hundreds and I mean thousands at this point of creators that have that have joined. But, um, you know, this, to see that process, to see like the... It, it it is very cool. It's exciting. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's just the, that archetype. That's what I want to separate between the person who's like, I am committed to becoming a student of the process and learning, just like you are, Jacob. Right, and your own journey as a as a journalist, like you are so committed to becoming better with the craft. Um, similar, like there's a, there's two mindsets. There's the person that's like willing to do that, and there's the person that's like, I just want to try this out. And that's the vast majority of people on Twitch yep. is. The people that will go, go live once and then they'll bounce. Yep. And they just keep recycling those those people like constantly. Yeah. Or, or I see a lot of people that just kind of are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to stream if a bunch of people want to join and, you know, thousands of people want to watch and blow me up and then I'll become a full-time streamer after that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll allow that to happen. You know, that sounds good. Uh, but a lot of times what I actually see in practice of the creators that, you know, to the example of all these guys that have become full-time on Facebook that I've seen, obviously I'm a little bit more tuned in on there and seeing people grow and everything. But a lot of them are like, they're very dedicated to what they're doing and continually creating content uploading and understanding the process, even if it's not necessarily through pipeline or whatever it is. But like, these are just people that are dedicated to up leveling themselves and what they're creating and finding ways to differentiate it and build an audience and create a narrative and story arc to keep people coming back through it. But it is very hard to, especially to this audience to, uh, to, to your point, even in gaming and everything where it's like, everybody wants everything for free in general. And there are good resources and things out there for it. But um, this was an interesting opportunity to try something different. And, you know, we we didn't know if this was going to work when it, when it first went out. It was very much like, let's see what happens. Let's see if everybody hates us after this or if this is something that ends up being really interesting. And the amount of, like, outpouring love, even from the people that have been through the process of it, uh has been very, very heartwarming in terms of like seeing the inspiration and like the the backing because a lot of people I could tell you firsthand too, 
lot of people do not get backed in the process of wanting to be to do whatever they want to do, you know, whether that's content yeah. creation or, you know, I, I remember going in and um, even I, I would play in these random lobbies and just like get reactions from people and just have fun in the games. And I remember in, uh, you know, my dorm room, my friends literally recorded me doing it, but they did it to make fun of me of how stupid I looked yelling at people at the TV and playing this game and getting all into the game and everything because I was such an idiot. Right. And it's like, it's a totally different perspective, but there is, there's a group of people and that's where like even the niche of my own audience and of what all of these creators and people are doing, you're creating for your own niche of whatever it is. It's, it's very similar, I think with pipeline as well. And what we try and do is, is develop a really great uh, experience and, and help as many people as we can that are interested in it. You know what I mean? I feel like you just uh, gave me some uh, weird high school flashbacks. So I was a YouTube gaming uh, content creator in like eighth and ninth grade. And um, I definitely had some classmates who would poke fun at that idea, uh, even though I had like a thousand subs, which is much better than a lot of people on YouTube on the platform, to be honest. Um, that channel has now been uh, very quickly nosedive because I'm, I'm embarrassed of the content that I created. But at the same time, it's definitely like it's the people who are just like making fun of your journey. It's like that early embarrassment. Um, tough, tough. Uh, I do want to ask about that from the different lens, though, and then from like the mental health lens of you guys are both highly successful and were highly successful before you launched Pipeline in two different industries, right? Steven, like, you know, the pro player uh, journey to being uh, higher up at Facebook and working on this project. You, you could have gone and gotten a tech gig doing something else and probably making a whole lot of money doing it if you wanted to. And so on your front, you're like a, a very successful creator in your own right. I struggled now being independent, running a business with some anxiety around fear of failure and especially being a public figure and, and having that past success under my belt. Do you guys face that? Do you face the anxiety of, of what happens if this doesn't work out in the end uh, and because of all those public eyeballs are on you? Totally. But, but I think that's like, I don't know if I'm a, like addicted to that feeling or whatever, but like um, when I have that fear come up, I go like, why the hell am I doing this? Like, why, why do I choose to do this over something else? Um, and... I think for me, I don't know if you recall the L, the the LCSPA or the, what was it? Is the e, ERPC? Sorry. Yes, I do. The, yeah. um, which is a player association. So after I, while I was competing, I really cared about helping junior players that were just starting out um, and creating something that would help these new players like figure out th figure things out. And for me, like I've just been so f lucky to do what I've done over the last decade. And I feel extremely humbled by that, that the opportunity to go help 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 people do the same thing. Like if it's one of the guys in our community that's like a, sh a chef and like he can then, you know, get out of this 14 hour a day gig that he's in and spend more time with his family and like make a living doing what he loves. Awesome. Like that is extremely rewarding. So am I scared? Totally. Like we have... A bunch of we we put a lot of time into this that's the first thing like we put it years into this um we have some incredible people behind us like massive creators people that i really respect um that are backing us to to build this um company and like it could all fail it could go with tits up like we're in a crazy economy right um thankfully we've accomplished a lot um we're, we're doing a lot of good work but there's always that existential thing of like can you get this to the scale and the 
of, of where you want it to go and like the impact you want to have. It's, that's always there. Yeah. And, uh, I could tell you the same thing from my side as well as like, um, I've had, I've definitely had many sleepless nights of like, is this like, you know, I, I could be spending more time creating more YOLO videos that are going to get millions of views or, or doing more live streams or whatever. That's going extremely well for me. And it's like, um, do I really want to be doing this at the end of the day? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've definitely had those thoughts and it's like, well, does this work out? Does it not? Whatever. At the end of the day for me though, it's like, it's very similar with Steven. I think this is where we line up a lot. It's like, it is very rewarding to help other people in, in a way that, you know, is very meaningful. I feel like at least, at least meaningful for me in terms of some of the creators that like, I do get the chance to talk to week in and week out. And like, bro, I like some, some of the stories that people have told me, even like Texas T is this guy who's uh, got a whole family and like he, he spent like eight months even going through the playbook. He had all the tech equipment, everything he wanted to like start, but he just couldn't get over to the line and bring himself to actually do this. And like, I just, I, I talked to him for like 10 minutes and just drilled it into him as hard as I could. Like, you got to start doing something. And like now he's got, you know, he's starting to build subscribers. He got partnered or, you know, he's, he's got the ability to get subscribers. That's been going super well. Like he's just, every time he's like, thank you, man. This is, it's been incredible. Cause it's like, it helped to unlock something with what he's doing. And, uh, that for me is like a lot of the, the stories of like people that we've, you know, that, that, that for me is the most exciting thing. And I try and focus on that. And then I also think about too, is like, even if this does, you know, the economy kills us and we can't keep going, people just disagree, whatever it is, like it doesn't work out. It's like, are we pushing the industry in uh, a, a good direction? And I feel like in so many ways, like we are trying to help the the newer creator start doing this, become the middle class creator, whatever it is, to help grow to the, the biggest creator, whatever it is, like understand that and help that as much as we can. Uh, obviously we can't help absolutely everybody. We can't, you know, like we're, we're limited in ourselves. I'm still running my stuff, you know, and what it is, but it is definitely, uh, to me, it is, it is worth the journey. And even if I push it in the right direction, it's, it's, it's something I, I, I'd like to be a part of and, and like to at least try and say that I put everything that I could in, in terms of obviously all the money we've invested into it and the years, the months of putting the playbook together the content, the research, looking at other creators, talking to other creators, like, you know, I, I definitely feel like I've put a, a, a really good foot forward as a, our whole team has putting this together. That, uh, yeah, that's the one thing I would echo is like, there's, there's, there's not yeah, just me in stone. Like I want to yeah. give a shout out to the 15 people behind the scenes that are working on um, putting one foot in front of the other every single day to get us to where we are, uh, giving them a shout out as well. Uh, and, and I echo Stone, like our, our industry does a great job of helping those at the top. We do a great job of that. We do a really job of helping those folks on the way up just because there's not a great incentive. And if we can push the industry forward to help, like to create a better incentive to help people on the way up, yeah, that'd be great. Even if like, it's, it means like, yeah, YouTube's like, hey, we got to compete with Pipeline and we got to spend $100 million to, you know, get more creators, small creators blowing up or whatever it is, like W, all right, hey. That's, that's a big win for me, man. Like, uh, that, that is what is, would be incredible. Like I want more success for more people out there. That sounds good to me, man, but we'll see where it goes. I guess still a risk.
This is the last one for me, and we do have a few audience questions, and uh, Sammy from my staff has a question as well, so um, I'll make sure to ask hers. But uh, so I, the last thing for me, you guys have both said mentioned the economy there. Um, I'm a founder. You two are founders. Uh, the and there are founders definitely that I hear from that have listened to this podcast already in the past two weeks since it launched. The fundraising economy is incredibly difficult and i think everyone is looking around right now and figuring out how you make what you have work for the next 18 months because whether it be anything from like lines of credit and loans getting much harder to obtain and interest rates being significantly higher or just venture capital investors not wanting to uh take more risk especially on like small to medium-sized businesses like ours right the three people on this call and and rather than sort of the bigger things that they can see that you know are already kind of at scale or, or near ipo um how are you all evaluating that um and and kind of hunkering down i think the first thing is we didn't start the company with venture fact um so we were very focused on like this has to be bigger than me and stone and we have to be able to build something that can sustain itself. Like if, if we really want to like move the industry forward, this has to be a business that can function beyond our support. Like we can bring people in. And so when we launched it years ago, we, we bootstrapped initially. And that was really important because we weren't doing the conventional, Hey, like we're going to spend all this money and give away this for free. Right. And like never have a business at the end of the day. It was important that we had a business model when we started out so that we could um, get to a point where this would be a sustainable business that, and, and that served us really well um, because we were able to attract certain investors um, last year um, that wanted to invest because we took that approach. The, the thing that I would say is um, you, and this impact it does as well, is that we were taking a number of bets and we had to go, oh, we, we're going to not take those bets anymore um, right now. Just based on the current climate, we're not going to take those those kind of bigger bets that otherwise we'll still take big bets, but not all of the ones that we were thinking of taking. Um, and for us, it's just making sure that we can navigate this economy. A lot of, if you're venture backed, like typically you want to make sure you've got 18 to 24 months of runway in this environment. Um, that might mean that, you know, we, I, I got to sell this microphone um, to pay someone. I'm, I'm just kidding. That's not, not the case, but um, like, I think you just got to change your psychology. You got to be like, this is the environment I'm now in. And I, what I was doing may not no longer be serving me. And I got to adjust and um, prepare for the new reality. And I think that the challenge with this environment is none of us three have been in this environment before. Right. So we can know what we're doing. We're just trying to make, like make the best decision we possibly can. And I think it's, um, just being really like, oh, this is where we are. We don't know how long this is going to last. Is it two years? Is it two months? Like nobody knows. And I think you just got to make sure that you are able to maintain doing what you're doing. I would argue for the next 12 to 18 months, like that, that at least is where you should be shooting for. Um, and I think fundamentally people that build a, a business that is profitable and growing is a more sound business. It's a business that people want to invest in. I think we're coming, I mean, I'm not the most savvy, like, you know, guy in finance or whatever. Um, there's a lot of people more smart than me out there, but the, we've been in like a what, 10, 12 year run. It's just been a complete bull run. Like we're like, we're in a fundamentally different environment now than we were, that we have been. Um, and I think it's just worth recalibrating on that. And I think things that 
may have been looked at in a certain way two years ago are just not going to be looked at the same way. Uh, and I think you, you got to be building a, a meaningful business that's driving value for customers at the end of the day. Um, and for us, that's creators. And I think for you, that's listeners or viewers, whatever it is for you or sponsors. And you just want to make sure you're driving value. Um, value always wins at the end of the day. And any and value or like, and whether value is entertainment or value is like saving time or whatever it is, it's just like make sure we're driving value. That was a fantastic answer. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of find like even similarities in the, uh, in the content side of like, it's like an algorithm shift, you know? It's like, oh, shoot, the, the streaming algorithm on, on YouTube stops working. So I got to figure out what's the next out. What's the next way to get the most out of the algorithm to get the most views off of it or whatever. And it's the people that can adapt to those things that like, that's who's going to be around in another couple of years. Uh, Tell me a little bit about those valleys stone, like the valleys in your, in the last 10 years, how many times have you like went through the valley of like deep despair and then had to pick yourself up and get on like, there's been a lot, maybe maybe there's even like overlap with, uh, with this mindset that can help people that, that that's been very helpful for me, which is like, since the beginning, I've always said like my, if I can just get 50 views on something, that's more than anybody even saw in my classroom of kids that I did a presentation to back in the day, right? Like that was a win. And then I, that's, that changed to like 50 likes on something is like, cause now people are actually interested in what I'm talking about, what I'm doing. And because my threshold is now like for me now, that's very low at the time. It was like, how the hell am I going to get 50 people to watch anything? But it, like keeping that at where it was, where I still sometimes have internal like, oh, I want everything to hit a thousand likes or two thousand or five thousand or ten thousand likes on it. As I was doing every stream for the last couple of years, it was like, holy shit, dude, like this is crazy. And then, you know, you stop hitting it. But like I've got that internal measure of what I tell other people and where I'm set at. That's very low. And it's like, I, I, like literally, I am very happy to have even more than 50 people like something is like. That really is, that really is my bar of like, holy crap. So, you know, as long as I can maintain that and I don't, that's where it's like, I feel like a lot of it is the expectations versus the reality. And if you can, if you can keep that in line in yourself, then you don't get too depressed when you see all those numbers go down because I've been through a lot of downs over many channels over all these years. But then, you know, I also find other ways that are like, hey, okay, all the views are down, but the revenue is way up or, you know. Uh, my my Twitter doesn't grow very much, but I'm looking at my sub count on YouTube growing every day. I'm like constantly looking for what's the other thing that I can continue to drive or double down on to keep going off of. And it's like, okay, I found a win today that keeps me interested and happy of what I'm doing. And then, you know, two years later when the next big game comes out, I can catch that wave and deploy all the skills that I've built up. Hell yeah, it's time to go gangbusters and just go, go big. Um, and I think there's probably a lot of similarities in, you know, uh, in those fields, probably in many other fields in life too. We're going to open the floor to audience questions. We'll start with, uh, I think it's Bra- pronounced Braden David Sparrow, uh, who had a question. I'm going to uh, call you up, Braden, um, now in the space. Um, so my question was, um, for a beginning streamer, what's the best way to connect to other communities and streamers to start like getting your name through the door? such as like raids, playing with uh, streamers, communities, and et cetera. Yeah. I mean, that's always, uh, that's always the dream, right? Is like, hey, dude, if I, I, I mean, I still feel like that to some degree. I'm like, damn, dude, if I start playing with Dr. Disrespect or whatever, you know, boom, we're, we're in there. 
But uh, a lot of it for me has been like, how do I create my own community along the lines where like, you know, I ended up playing with Fuglet and Aculite and Tomographic and like we became great buddies. Those guys went like when I first started playing with Tom, I think he had like 5,000 subscribers or something like that. Now the dude's half a mil full time, right? Like that's been a whole journey over a lot of years for it. A lot of that though comes from like, dude, I, I like the content you're putting out. You like the content I'm putting out. It's a good organic mesh. And I think a lot of that is just like, that's a lot of what it is over a lot of this. So whether that's even, it doesn't necessarily have to even be the stream you're doing or the video you're posting. It can also be the comments that you're you're leaving or the community, the people that you're with. It's like, and a lot of that too, I found is at events, you'll meet a lot of people and you can make a better connection with a lot of that. Like that, that's what's really helped me because especially when I first started out, I really didn't like there was a couple people that I engaged with Noah J four, five, six was a guy that like I had met because he was also a machinima and he was worried about something or whatever. And he asked me a question and then we became friends. And then, you know, I, I didn't really play with them for five years later. Uh, but like it was something, somebody I was, I was acquaintance with and it kind of built up over time. A lot of it is more natural connections in terms of even, you know, a friend of a friend introducing you to somebody else. And, and do you really hit it off? That's the aspect. Like there is definitely an aspect of, networking with content creation with anything but there's also like the organic aspect where it's it, 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 it that, that's really the truth of it is like where is there an actual story arc or journey that people would be really interested in you know i've had people that ended up getting in my world's best clip of the week show multiple times and it's like dude, now people in the community know them now they're like hey will you play with them or whatever and then there's like there's this there's this branch there that now makes sense with what it is um, so to that extent, what I would say is actually get involved on the platform. For me, a lot of it was like, I consume a lot of content and it was rather than consuming all the content, it was actually like, okay, if I watch this, leave a comment on it. Like, what is my two cents on it? What is the different comment versus what everybody else is saying? What is the different content of what is in my head that makes it doesn't always work out. Like I don't always have a unique take on whatever it is, but that's where you're trying to find those opportunities. And I like, I think the best case of that, even talking about doc is like Z laner. Dr. Disrespect puts his post out and 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 I think he was like looking for somebody to play with because he got banned on Twitch, couldn't play with anybody on Twitch. And then boom, here you go. You got Zlaner who's got this skill set. He's got what he's got. He makes an actual video response to the post saying, this is why I'm the person for you to play with, sells it, delivers on the stream when he does it. And then boom, it's not that like Doc's just like him or whatever. Life, life changing, life changing. Yeah, it, it, it was he, the audience loved him as well. Right. Like it was genuine content and love from that. And I don't think, you know, I don't know if Doc necessarily was like, hey, I really like your content or whatever. Maybe it was. I don't know. But there was definitely a mesh there that then was a perfect fit for it and works out. And I've played with a lot of people that didn't work out with a lot of people it did work out with. And I still like to play solos, too, all the time as well. So it's like it depends on the person you find. And I would say be open to the opportunity, but also put yourself out there for it, uh, if that makes sense. But great question, man. Active engagement. That was a great question. Yeah. yeah. Active engagement is by far, I think, the best way to do it. You, uh, when you were telling that story, Sona, about the docs viewer that got engaged that way, I thought of like JHB, the intern at uh, Hunter Thieves, who's yeah. like now on their staff, right? Like made that crazy pitch video about why they should hire him. And now he's like, yes, he's an internal employee, but also like a content creator on his own, right? Like involved in their content. And they like had him a series at one point where he just embarrassed himself in front of a bunch of their network as well, which is, really funny i think i think that active engagement i and i say that as uh to the folks in the space that work on my team or people that i just randomly met through twitter because i saw them like actively around and just like responding to each other and engaged in what we were doing and now we all work together so 
uh that yeah i think active engagement is just really important um on that note uh i'm gonna let sammy uh from my team ask her a question because uh she has one that is different from a lot of the discussion of the podcast Hi, um, sorry, Stone. I have a question specifically for Steven. Um, I'm a very long time league fan, and like I've watched like Snoopy play since, um, like, like CLG EU, and I, like, I was a pretty big fan. Um, and so I've I've seen you you know your pro lol career from start to finish and um i just want to know what is your favorite memory from being a professional league player my favorite memory first of all thanks for your support um over the last many iterations of my journey um it's it's fucking awesome to hear uh the favorite memory i have from my pro law career it has to be, um, there's, a, there's a couple of things that are really, really cool, but one of them really has to be, we were uh, in Sweden, at a dream hack in Sweden, and we were kind of on the come up as a team. We had a legendary game against Moscow 5 um, during uh, that tournament, but it was actually after the event wrapped, we um, stayed behind to like see the, the fans that were there that day, and we... We're there for three and a half hours after already playing for the entire day. We were, um, we had so many fans in Sweden that were there for three and a half hours just signing. Um, and it, it was just the most, like, we were exhausted, but so fucking happy to be there and seeing everyone that we were like just there till they closed the doors. Like the people were kicking us out. Um, and it was just one of the most wholesome things. And there's, there's like loads of other moments that like were amazing. Um, but that just stands out to me is just like the amount of overwhelming support we had from the fans and getting to spend that time with them was incredible. So we're going to, we're going to end off uh, with a question from Prime, uh, who's also on my team because uh, actually stone, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, if this, if the business doesn't work out, uh, you had mentioned in that answer that if YouTube came in and decided they were just going to copy your business model and, you know, throw nebulous amounts of capital behind it to achieve that goal. Uh, Prime's question is along that line. So I'll let him, I'll let him ask it. Hey guys. Uh, so the question's real, pretty simple. What do you guys think of the Ninja masterclass on like how to become a big streamer? Do you think that that kind of format, that mass format of, of general, uh, knowledge works or do you think that to actually find success kind of at the scale that 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 master class is targeting uh do you think it needs to be more personalized um it's a great question obviously it's very topical this happened like a couple of uh days ago right or maybe a week ago or so um that it kind of blew up and a bunch of youtube stuff so the question was like do i, do I think a master class like that from ninja is helpful um I think it is to a certain person. Uh, and I think it really depends. Like I haven't went through all the content, so I don't want to speak too much to like all of the content that's in there, the support that you get. But I think to a certain person who's like, maybe never heard of this, never like been on Twitch, never been on YouTube. And like, they want to learn more and they just see Ninja at Walmart, whatever it is. And like, they want to see what his take is on streaming or content creation. I'm sure it could be extremely valuable. Um, 
to get his inside her his perspective and like open their eyes to a world that they didn't know a lot about i'm sure that is great i do think it is important though if you are invested in like it depends what your goals are right like if you really want to build this into something you probably need to one do more work um and then you also maybe need a better container where you've got you know an active community you've, you're able to show up and ask questions like a, just a different format um so I, I think it could be helpful to some people. I think it depends who that person is and it depends on your goals. This is a little bit of a PC answer because we're it's like weird for me to answer this question, right? Because we, we have an education like platform for streamers. So it's weird. Um, and we seen that video and we're like, oh shit, is this bad for us? Is it good for us? And I, I sat with that and I was like, you know, like we really put a lot of work in every single week. We have a team of people that are like working on this every single week. And we're showing every single week. I just, I, I feel like it's it really, we the container matters to help someone be successful. And if it's just a single video and you put it out, it might not be as, as helpful. I don't know, what do you, what do you, we haven't talked about yeah, this. So no. I think it was, yeah, it was I, I think too, like, I, I do think there is, to your point, like, I do think there is value that people are going to get from it. It's, I don't think necessarily the absolute masses, right? Like, Ninja is an extremely, extremely successful content creator. Even if you don't like him or his content or whatever, like the aspect that he took to approach Fortnite and the way that he used Instagram to leverage up his audience and grow it. And again, I, I don't know the specifics of his masterclass um, per se or what he created for it, but like he is definitely a dude that I respect and what he has done and what he has accomplished. Like no question about it. I bought his, uh, his other book, that, like How to Be a Good Gamer too. Uh, I don't think it necessarily made me a great other gamer, but like I've got a lot of respect for the guy and what he is at the forefront of trying to head. Like it is, it's nerve wracking doing anything different. Um, and that's definitely an extreme level of it. But uh, I, I do think there is another aspect. It's just like where, you know, for some people just watching YouTube videos is going to be all they need. Uh, for some people, a podcast and having regular check-ins is going to be even better. For some people having, you know, uh, joining a class every week and like talking with other creators and asking somebody who's been at it for more years, that's going to be another great aspect that also a lot of other people are going to be like, this is a waste of time. I watched my YouTube video and I'm just going to go do it or whatever. Like there's so many different aspects to it, but that's where I see so many niches being helpful to people. And like, to your question, then I, I do think there is a more, um, a robust approach from somebody that, you know, and trust where like, people are going to trust what Ninja says more so than, you know, uh, uh, somebody who's never done it and they're just trying to piecemeal information from other people and try and figure it out in the first place, right? To where I, that's where I, I definitely see um, lessons from. It's the same thing with Mr. Beast. Like anytime Mr. Beast is on a podcast or whatever, I try and listen to all of it because there's a ton of great information that you could pick up. Even if you don't apply all of the information that you learn from what it is, like there's still a lot of things that you could take away or if you think critically about how he approached something you could take it into your own series to the point of what i was even talking about with how i started a lot of my series that ended up blowing up with the you know innovating off it um so yeah that's all for our show if you enjoyed this episode of visionaries please subscribe to us on apple podcast spotify or wherever you find your podcast and leave us a review on Apple. It really helps with others finding the show, too. Special thanks to Prem Thadamkara and Sammy Daig for helping with this episode. If you want to join in on the discussion, feel free to join us on Twitter at Overcome every Monday and Wednesday. 